Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Are you ready to dive into a world of captivating stories, laughter, and enlightenment? Look no further than Unfiltered Studios, your gateway to an incredible podcasting experience. Join St. Joe on Nailed It as he explores life's victories, one nail at a time. Petals of Support brings you heartwarming tales that remind us, even in the darkest moments, there's beauty and hope. Get ready to be entertained by the wit and humor of The Sleevy G Show, where interviews are always fascinating. Need a good laugh? Tune in to Refiltered, our comedy podcast that's sure to tickle your funny bone. Discover inner peace and guidance on Finding Your Way, a spiritual podcast that nurtures your soul. Relax your mind and body with hypno-wellness, your path to a healthier, more balanced life. Love movies? Movie Lovers Unite is your passport to a world of cinematic wonders. Immerse yourself in the magic of storytelling, laughter, and enlightenment as you're taken on a journey through the fascinating realm of movies and television. And don't forget the Stupid History Minute, where we uncover the quirkiest stories of everyday items. Unfiltered Studios is your destination for diverse, engaging content. Subscribe now and join the podcasting revolution. Unfiltered Studios, where every story finds its voice. Visit unfpod.com today. And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show with me. I have a very special guest with me. I have Cisco. It's been a long time since him and I actually did a show together. It's great to have him back on the show after so many years of us being apart. But as soon as he set a scene that I was actually doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger review for Last Action Hero on Plus, this is also a Twitter exclusive because people voted on Twitter. So mm. people who have voted on Twitter, they're going to get this Last Action Hero review. And then also, too, people voted on YouTube for Terminator. So you guys are going to get a Terminator review towards the end of this month. But anyways, without further ado... Let's go on ahead. Let's review Last Action Hero. And hey, man, welcome back, man. It's been a while. I'm happy to have you back on here. Thank you for having me. I mean, always, always a pleasure to talk about Arnold. Um, you know, I do an action movie podcast at Action Movie Buffs, if anyone's uh, interested in that. And, you know, we've done Predator. Um, we're thinking of doing True Lies this year for the oh, anniversary. That's going to be so much fun. Um We've done a bunch of Arnold. I, I'm having trouble thinking of off top, but we just we love Arnold uh, over there. And so um, soon as you, you know, pose a question of reviewing Arnold, it was a no brainer for me. So thanks for having me. No problem. I'm glad that you uh, accepted my invite to this. I had such a great time rewatching this film. I bought this on 4K on the still book. It is such a and I love how the clarity is composed to a VHS tape. And stuff like that too because i've seen this on vhs i've also owned it on vhs and i also seen this in the theater when was the first time you've seen this movie um 
Yeah, it's a good question. We yeah, we were talking a little bit before uh, we started recording here uh, about you know I have the Blu-ray, um, which is you know I'm not like a huge snob about video quality and stuff like that, but there are older 80s 90s movies that like you know even on blu-ray it's like this could be better and uh i was telling you that um i i'm i'm jealous because uh <laughs> even though it, blu-ray was the best it looked at during that time uh i can already tell that the 4k can definitely improve on some things um as far as like graininess and color and stuff like that um there was there were some imperfections um but uh to answer your question though um I think I saw this one a little bit late. Like, you know, of course I saw the classic Arnold's like Terminator, Terminator 2, um, Commando, you know, all those 80s, Total Recall. And for whatever reason, I feel like, and I, I, I think to this day, this one's kind of a hidden gem. Um, you know, I think, you know, partially because it, I don't think it did well when it came out. Um, I think wow. critics kind of didn't um, give it the love it deserved at the time. I don't think um, it did well in the box office. I might, we might have to check on that. But uh, uh, Actually, it had an $85 million budget, and it made $137.3 million. Okay. All right. So, yeah, but I, I don't know. I just I feel like because this was kind of a parody of action movies, um, that it might have been a little too heady for people at the time. And so... Um, that might have been because I, I remember seeing this late, like I said. So maybe when I was like a teenager or in my 20s or something like that. Um, and I just didn't. I was like, this is cool. But um, I didn't really think anything of it um, after that. And then having rewatched it for this show today, right. I'm like, man, it was it was so much fun. Um, you know, all the tropes that the action movie tropes that it's making fun of. Uh, and even Arnold making fun of himself. It's just like something that a lot of action stars don't really do. They take themselves very seriously. And I love that Arnold at the peak of his Arnold's, you know, uh, Rare. persona Rare. to do a movie like this. I just think, I think it was just a little too ahead of its time for people to really show it the love. It does like, I feel like if it came out, you know, today, it would be like talked about like, um, up there with Arnold's best. Right. Yeah. I, this movie is still one of my favorites. It's a whole, whole classic, basically, if you think about it. And yeah, it's like this meta kind of feel to it. And at first, when I was seeing it as a kid, I didn't realize it was even meta. All I knew was it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this kid gets sunk into this world that we love, which is the action world of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I just fell in love with the story. I like the whole meta idea of it, the parody of it. I snuck into the theater with my grandfather and my mom because we thought we I would actually see the whole movie. But nope, I ended up catching it right when the Grim Reaper comes out. But mm -hmm. then I went on ahead and seen the actual whole film and everything in the theater. They took me out to go see it <laughs> in its entirety. But um, for the most part and everything, I definitely enjoy this film. It's actually in my top tier of Arnold films. So... Let's go on ahead. Let's dive into this. We're going to go scene by scene. So let's do this. And uh, wrap your popcorn and flex those muscles because we're diving into Last Action Hero like never before. Get ready for a podcast so hilarious. Even Danny DeVito would chuckle from over the top explosions to Arnold's time 
timeless one-liners. We're discussing it all with a side of laughter. Tune in, buckle up, and let's embark on a comedic journey through action movie madness. So this movie opens up to uh, to basically Arnold coming in at the very beginning. And I just love the opening. It's such an Arnold type of thing where you're not sure where it's going, especially about how the camera angle is. If it looks like someone's filming it on a on a screen inside the movie theater, the way it's actually how it shifts down a little bit, and then you see the car pull up, the cop. Yeah, the camera angle is very very weird. Like it's it's almost kind of cluing you in. Like this is this is not your average action movie. Um, it kind of reminded me of like Scream. Um, you know, it, they didn't do it right away, but and I think it's Scream Four. You know, they started doing their openings that were like the movies stab movies instead of right, screen. screen but you don't, yeah. but okay. you don't know that you don't know that at the time you know that later on um so they're doing the same thing here with with jack slater uh which i just love like it's like you said it's so over the top um you know like the rooftop it's like a scene you've seen a million times where uh just like the way he just comes in like the chief is like He's smoking yeah. a cigar and <laughs> uh, the guy tries to get in his way and he just like punches. The, I think he just punches yeah, the he guy goes, out of the this way. This is the mayor. And he goes, he ends up punching the mayor. He goes, when the mayor's here, tell him that, tell him that, tell him they called me. And then, <laughs> then he winds up uh, kicking one cop, one of the cops in the nuts. And he, he goes, flies like, like 50 feet in the air. Yeah. It's so funny. Hey, you a farmer? Yeah. <laughs> he has a couple of acres. <laughs> <laughs> the classic Arnold one-liners, um, and then is it, this is the rooftop scene with the the guy in the raincoat, right? Yeah, and the, and uh, the, uh, with uh, the Ripper, yeah, yeah, and he's like got his his son, uh, and it's yeah, it's just like that classic scene. He he throws a live grenade, uh, which uh, which again, it's like oh shit, he's about to blow up his son, and then it turns out to be a knife grenade. Like I thought that right. was just so funny. Yeah, because remember, this is when Jack is basically, he goes, okay, Jack, uh, remove all your guns. He takes out every oh, single yeah. gun out of his boot. He takes it out of his sock. He does, he ends up taking it out everywhere. And yeah, then, he has a whole arsenal. Yeah. Right. And then he throws on the grenade and Jack, and the Ripper's like, really, Jack? Really? You're really going to sacrifice your own son just to ta- take me down? I highly mm-hmm. think so. What are you talking about? It's a live grenade. Yeah, sure, Jack. Sure. <laughs> he takes in his son and he goes. So he Ripper winds up making uh, his son, making Jack's son, pick up the grenade, and then you wind up seeing the uh, knife uh, at the very bo- bottom of it. And he winds up stabbing him, and that's when Ripper winds up accidentally uh, grabs Jack's son and mm-hmm. he goes down over the uh, over the uh, building. Yeah. Thing so. It's a dark. It's pretty dark. Uh, that that I was I I forgot about that that part, but um, I do like that they put that in there because it gives uh Jack Slater the fictional character a like a little more, a little more depth. You know, like he's divorced. Right now, now he lost his son, and uh, so they kind of established that. And there's a lot of parallels um from the beginning to the end. So this whole rooftop scene is going to be repeated again with the new kid, the main character Danny, in yeah. this movie. Um, so I, I, again, I just think, um, you know, the first time I saw this, I, I wasn't necessarily getting all the references and uh, getting just how 
tight the script is you know like i i just love the script not just because it's funny and fun uh but because like it just knows action movies it just knows action movies and it's so smart uh and and how it it tells you like these are the tropes but it's also doing the tropes in a smart and fun in a in a way that's uh better than what we usually see from action movies right yeah <laughs> it gets more in depth like i said it's more in depth it also gives a little bit more character development for characterization and i guess like you said whenever danny goes over to like arnold's apartment and everything and he explains to him things and we'll get to that in a few minutes yeah. but I, I like the continuity within it Mm-hmm. And it's like us watching a Jack Slater movie while Danny's also in this movie with him. Yeah, I, so, just, I, I like that, uh, you know, just from the design of Arnold in this, I think it really stands out from his other roles. Like he's got the leather jacket and the red shirt. He like looks like an action figure that you would buy as a kid. He's got like lighter hair. You know, he's got the, the, he's got the yeah, the snakeskin boots and the big belt buckle and the cigar. And it's just like, you know, Terminator is definitely like his most iconic, you know, action hero role, probably. But like um, it makes it believable that this fictional character would be an action star and somebody that this little kid looks up to just like. All of us who loved action movies growing up looked up to Arnold, you know, like it's exactly uh, perfectly cast. And uh, uh, yeah, I just I, I think the kid, too, um, like I know we're going to talk about him, but, uh, you know, just like in T2, you know, with the with the kid uh, playing against Arnold, um, people call him annoying in Terminator 2. Um, and I, I was reading some reviews that said, like, this kid is annoying, too, and I don't know. I, I think I never felt like John Connor was annoying. I just me thought... neither. I, I really I'm just like it to me. It just was like this is kids are annoying. Right. Me. You know what I mean? Like, right. Most kids are pretty annoying. So like when you get kids that are like, you know, whiny or, uh, you know, annoying, they're like the comic. Right. He, you know, he calls himself the comic relief at one point. I'm right. like, that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to be a. Uh, you know, his sidekick basically. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with those. That is my point. I think both, you know, John Connor and uh, Danny in this movie are both like really well cast. I think so too. And I don't find Danny annoying. I find him as us as a fan who gets to be in this thing with Arnold and just being geeking out, just like how we would geek out with Arnold if we were showed up in the back of Slater's car, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, I like how he Danny is inside the movie theater watching this and all of a sudden it just goes out of focus and you realize you're watching a movie along with Danny and we're the people who's also in the audience who's also complaining about it, the film going out of focus. And I like how he go tells Nick, hey, Nick, it's out of focus. And then you have this poor guy that's sitting down uh, in the uh, movie there sleeping. The homeless guy. Yeah, yeah the homeless guy is just sleeping. He goes, hey, kid, I'm trying to sleep. He goes, yeah, so is everyone else. And who winds <laughs> up uh, going out to the lobby? And no one gives a shit. This is like the only kid yeah. that is basically there. And it's all graffiti. This place is run down. It looks like something from the Matrix in a sense about how dungy it actually looks. Because this guy at the snack bar, he's like, uh, he goes over to Danny, goes he's over to the guy at the cigarette. Snack bar. Yeah, yeah, he's not, <laughs> not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, it's, right. uh, it's one of those. Um, and I, I love this period just of history, not saying that I'd want to live in that type of environment, 
but just that like New York before it got all cleaned up, Giuliani, you know, disnified it and everything like right. that. It was like rat infested and dirty and right. with homeless people everywhere. And so um, whenever I see movies with this, I mean, Joker, it was like the most recent example I can think of that used right. that um, that time and place of like 70s New York. But I'm not sure. I think it's supposed to be like, you know, 93 there, but they're definitely playing on that um, that type of aesthetic um, for the movie, for sure, of like the 70s rundown you know, where they still had porn theaters, New York. Right. <laughs> and I kind of love that. I kind of, because it, it sets that, you know, the danger of that place, because like there's, you know, for this, I think it's PG-13, right? This movie. Right, it's PG-13. Um, there are moments where it's like, you know, Danny, he has to shoot a gun and, you know, he gets, um, I know I'm jumping around everywhere, but no, no, it's okay. <laughs> uh, where you know someone breaks into his home and handcuffs him to the, you know, the toilet and stuff like that. Like so, right. it's they're setting up that the real world is a dangerous place. So then later on in the movie, when um, you know Arnold gets taken into the real world, he has to learn that this is not an action movie. Like you can die in the real world, right? And and, and, and bad guys get away with a lot in the real world so right. i just like that i right. like that they set the environment up where this is a place where you believe that villains and bad people are running around everywhere yeah exactly and that's something that i really liked how they established different rules for the different roles that they're in mm -hmm. you know i definitely like that and then of course you know you were mentioning how you know it, the world is a dangerous place in new york city and i believe that or the movie theater for Danny is like his safest place that he can mm -hmm. go to whenever the world is so dark around him. So I definitely like that idea of that's his sanctuary. And he gets well, to yeah, see Nick. It's, you know, you can tell that this is kid. He's skipping school. You can tell he's not a good student. He has a single mom and they show her like working late. Um, so, you, you know, you kind of get a feel that he's a lashkey kid. He doesn't have a father figure. So, it makes sense that he would look up to like Arnold's this action hero, Jack Slater as like a father figure. Um, and, and uh, even before that, this old man that's working in the theater, yeah, Nick, that yeah. relationship can be creepy, you know, on like first watch, but then um, again, you, you, you sort of get the feel that, okay, this guy knows that this kid loves movies and he is just, uh, using his uh, job to hook this kid up basically and and watch over him so that he's not out there in the dangerous world he's in a safe place like you're saying so um exactly. I, I kind of like that even though he's with adults a lot of the time <laughs> that he can hold his own and that the adults kind of take care of him you know i think that's right. important that's what i like though too and i like how he goes up to nick he goes hey nick the film's out of focus and then he's talking about, hey, you're going to go see the new Jack Slater movie? Because, yeah. yeah. Uh, hell yeah, I am, basically. <laughs> so he's like, well, be here at 7 tonight, and you get a private screening of it. And he goes, all right, I can't wait. And then all of a sudden he goes, well, you better, um, you, well, you better get your ass to school because you're about 30, 40 minutes late. Next thing you know it, you have the teacher teaching Hamlet. And about Shakespeare, and I love this oh, scene man. so much. One of, the where... best, one of the best scenes in the movie. I know you're gonna say, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! If they taught Hamlet the way that uh, they did this for Arnold, I would definitely be in history class every single day. Be yeah, 
<laughs> and I love how he has like a machine. And I like how Danny's like, just do it. Just kill him already. And then he's just imagining in his head that Arnold is actually playing Hamlet. He goes, to be or not to be. To be. And then to he be, throws yeah. his skull. <laughs> yeah, it's like Hamlet with machine guns. And uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But then again, it's it's uh, setting up that Jack Slater is going to be moving in through different um, dimensions. You know, and the villain of the movie, too, is going to bring different characters through to the real world and things like that. So I think it works in a lot of different ways. It's funny. It's hilarious. Um, but also kind of, it kind of um, primes you to be like, okay, Jack's later. He's going to come into this Hamlet. What else is he going to come into later? Yeah. Right. And then after that happens, now we see this other scene being played out. Like you were mentioning before where the mother, the mother is getting ready to go to work she's a nurse i believe and then she's like well i gotta go um dinner uh, just going ahead i left you some money and everything lock the door behind me and by the way i had a lie to your teacher to tell her that mm-hmm. you were real because you were at the movies the whole time and remember he just she goes and you're hanging around with that creepy guy and she knows that she's interrogating him but danny does not know that he's being interrogated by his own mother, by asking, by just luring him in, just and you hang around with that creepy old guy. Nick is not, uh, not creepy. And yeah. just you see, I knew it. I knew you were at the movies the whole entire time, and you made me lie to your teachers. Which so. I don't like. As someone who like went to the movies a lot, and you know that was my safe space growing up too. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot worse things. This is what I always tell my parents. There are a lot worse places and things I could be doing rather than going to the movies a lot and seeing a lot of movies. <laughs> so Same you here. Should, you should be happy that I chose to be addicted to movies and not, you know, drugs or yeah, or hanging right. around the bat the wrong crowd. And like I said, that that first scene of danger where that guy, you know, when the mom leaves, like the, we're at this scene now, and you know, he come to the apartment and ties him up and, you know, trying to rob him. And, uh, you know, he gives he gives Danny the chance to do something heroic. He turns his back. He's like, do, you know, I'll give you the chance. And he kind of freezes up. He, he's not an action hero. So, again, priming you that this is the real world. You know, you can die. You know, you get stabbed. You could. And, and he's just a kid versus this, you know like homeless druggy dude whatever and uh and so the guy just uh leaves and um throws the yeah. key in the toilet and goes i i can get a go fish go you fish. have a tv he's like you don't have shit all yeah. you have is a little tv i can get a couple hundred dollars for and eh, go fish yeah and then the cops I, this makes me laugh though you would think that the cops would actually escort danny home after all this happened that's because true. in the interrogation thing, he he goes, "Look, your mom's gonna is working a late shift." I'm thinking to myself, your mother would have actually been in the interrogation room wondering what happened. But you know, I also I- was wondering why, like, you know, I'm not a parent, but like, if something happened to my kid like that extreme, I'm leaving work. I don't right. care like where I work. I'm telling how strict my job is. My son. Is in was in danger so but she works her whole shift <laughs> she, 
<laughs> Danny goes to the movies and uh you know she she um the next time that she sees him is when uh again we're jump I'm jumping ahead a little bit but was when he he brings Jack Slater home with him so it's you're assuming it's like at least like the middle of the night the next day you know like it's right so that was another thing that I kind of was like not not great parenting from the mom <laughs> well, we'll get into that in a few minutes because I have some thoughts on that on that scene though that just makes me laugh a little bit but I'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes yeah but um so we wind up getting over Nick receives the film for Jack Slater uh for the latest in one of Danny's favorite film series starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as a tutorial Los Angeles police detective and violent action hero and offers to show Danny the private screening just before the world premiere to mark the occasion Nick tears up a special ticket that uh, he received from Harry Houdini years ago, giving one half of the stub to Danny as a keepsake. And I like how this is actually being perceived, even though it could be come off a little bit of a creep, creepy thing, because now Nick is actually in an old fashioned 1920s, 30s kind of usher suit. And he's breaking it down. He's like, Look, I remember when Houdini, and I like how he does like the little magic trick of the map mm-hmm. of the ticket and Houdini himself gave me this ticket and he said it will unlock the world of mysteries and the ticket never worked for me but it might work for you and well he never lo- tried remember he, he said right. he never he was scared to ever try it so I feel like that was another scene I liked because you this like the scene before that is Danny being scared and afraid to stand up for himself with the robber so like right. again the they're kind of relating to each other in that way and uh yeah giving him this really uh priceless thing that he's been holding on to I thought that was really sweet. I do too. I thought that was yeah. really cool that and then you know Danny gets this large bucket of popcorn he sits down the movie starts and I like how Nick goes you think he's going to die? Jack Slater never dies. <laughs> <laughs> unless the ratings unless the ratings go down. <laughs> right. <laughs> the viewership. Yeah. But yeah, as the film starts, Danny is unaware that the stub uh, glows uh, with magic when it's a stick of dynamite exits the film during a car case scene and lands in the theater. Danny instructively ducks for cover. When he comes to, he finds that he is in now in the film. Right along with Slater, who is in disbelief at as how Danny arrived at the LAPD headquarters, Danny tries to explain how this is all a film and explaining who the bad guys are. So I like how basically Danny's just surprised at the fact that number one Slater is driving with no, um, with no hands. He's mm-hmm. shooting with the gun. He's hearing the hard rock music of ACDC's big <laughs> gun. And it's not connecting the dots yet or anything like that. It's kind of like just shell shock. And of course you also are in- introduced to like Vincent before that too. Because Danny's still in the theater watching this scene being played out, watching uh, the second cousin getting killed, which is Slater's second cousin getting killed. Big mistake. Mm-hmm. And and then after that, it breaks into this whole entire car chase scene with us uh, later. And I remember watching that for the very first time. I love the ACDC song. It still gets me pumped up even today. I had that in my Walkman mm-hmm. and stuff like that of just, you know, just rocking out to ACDC. And then 
the other thing that I really liked was when Danny's just all of a sudden just shell shocked because of the fact he's even near Slater and he's not even connected to the dots until he says, "Wait, heavy metal music." Uh, no hands on the wheel. Mm-hmm. I'm in a movie. I'm in a national yeah. movie. I'm with Jack Slater. <laughs> so, what did you think of it? Yeah, I, I think this is where the the movie really um, could have it could have uh, made made or bro- broken it. You know, it was a make or break it scene, um, and I think it's really well done. You know, every kid wishes they could be a part of their favorite movie. And um, I think what he realizes like pretty quickly is like when we're in the movie theater, we're, we're protected from gunfire and dynamite and stuff like that. <laughs> and that it is all uh, fake. Um, but then, and, in, in, you know, he's, you know, in the back of the, you know, convertible, like you said, and this in the middle of the shootout. Um, and then I, yeah, I like that scene where you got the stereotype uh, chief, you know, who's like yelling and breaking the glass. Uh, you got the, <laughs> the steam coming out of his ears, you know, just every action movie has that guy, you know, it's like such a, you know, this time I'm getting your badge, you know, like that's there's no be second your... chances anymore. Slater. Yeah. This is it. You're done. I had enough of this and everything. And then, and Slater's looks at Danny goes, my captain is really mad at me. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to be a cop anymore. He's just mad because he you tore up more of half the city than usual. <laughs> And then, like, it was like no big deal. <laughs> and then, like, when the chief and uh, and and Slater are like interrogating, they put the light on the kid, and they're like interrogating like interrogating him. You know, there's no record of that name in New York. You know, where are you from? And Danny has to like outsmart them and and just make make shit up basically. And uh... <laughs> and then he also winds up saying, talking about their friendship. Mm-hmm. And how they have that love and respect for each other between chief and police officer. And he's like, wait, how does he know about that? Nobody knows about that. You didn't tell anybody about that. He goes, no, I didn't tell anybody about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gets, he gets mad at him. He gets mad at him. Uh, told you not to tell anybody. But, but yeah, Danny's kind of proving that, you know, maybe his uh, what he's telling him is not so far-fetched. I mean, even, uh, you know, Charles Dance, who plays the villain – you know, he immediately buys that like Danny has some sort of power just by overhearing him talk about the scheme or whatever. He, he really buys into it, it really fast and uh, is proven right. So, um, you know, which could be like a, a nitpick or something like that. But uh, I love Charles Dance in this movie as as the villain with the with the glass eye um, and everything. I think he he's always said like from Game of Thrones. If you're not familiar, he's just mm-hmm. like he he loves chewing on the scenes and uh he just has such a large you know tall presence um you know where you you, you know he's the bad guy even though like he's kind of the second in command um at the start of the movie you know that he's like the one that's going to be more dangerous as the movie goes along right another thing too is fun fact they were actually going to cast alan rickman as the as his as a character but they Mm -hmm. found out later on that Alan Rickman was a little too expensive, so they went with that actor. But what's mm-hmm. funny is he actually wore a T-shirt on the set that says, I am cheaper than Alan Rickman. That's funny. I mean, <laughs> it makes sense. He is directed by John McTiernan, who did Die Hard. Uh, they're definitely going for, like, the Hans Gruber template with that, you know, that um, 
suave businessman, European, uh, well-dressed villain. Uh, so it makes sense. I think I think that's funny, but I think it worked out. I think Charles Dance is equally equally great. Um, I think and, so too. And, and memorable as as Hans Gruber, <laughs> and cheaper. Yeah, definitely cheaper. Um, but also too, I like how they have these other cameos though. You see the T one thousand from the Terminator. You see um, Danny DeVito as a cat animated um, animation. Basic instinct. Yeah, uh, Basic Instinct. Yeah. You see all these other little cameos, and Danny's just geeking out because there's no way. And I like how Slater's like, "What? What's the big deal? People do this all the time. They're just caught." Uh, for the the animated, where he's, you know, that's that that part got me really bad. Like where he's like, "There's an animated cat." In the in the police station, he's like in the I think the chief because like he's one of our best. What's your point? (laughs) (laughs) And then Slater's like, and guess what? He's gonna do it again tomorrow. Yeah. Oh man, that was that was so great. And yeah, it's like Danny trying to prove that like this world is fake. I love that whole this whole section of the movie. You know where they he takes them to like basically Best Buy, even though they don't call it Best Buy. It was actually Blockbuster. Our, our block, yeah. What do I say? Yeah, Best it was actually Best the blockbuster. <laughs> block, I just was at Best Buy, so it's on my mind. But yeah, block, cool. blockbuster. Um, and you know, he's like, "I'll show you your movies are gonna have to be here." And it's Sylvester Stallone in Terminator Two. I just love that. And <laughs> and even uh, Slater's like, "That's one of his best performances." <laughs> <laughs> no, this was supposed to be you. Yeah. You were in this movie. And then I like how the girl looks at him. Just you were in a movie. Yeah, and it's called My Soul Called Life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like you. all the all the girls are hot. Yeah, Danny yeah. pointing that out. There's not one unattractive girl. Like all this action movie stuff that we kind of take for granted. Uh, Jack's trying to point out, and he's or Danny's trying to point out. And he's like, you know, what's your phone number? Everyone starts with five five five. You know, and just like trying to point out the ridiculous of ridiculousness of it. Um, and, and, you know, Jack's still in his own action movie world and, you know, thanks for getting her number, getting, you know, getting her to say her number in there. <laughs> uh, right. You no, know, getting in all the glory. The police, <laughs> police captain also makes Danny his partner. So now <laughs> he's partnered up with a kid as well. But yeah, the whole entire, the whole scene of him trying to break it down is like, uh, trying to explain to him this was his movie, things like that with Stallone and the girls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I just, like you said, this movie just basically shows you just how we as film fans appreciate the little small things like that. You know, and especially when Arnold goes, yeah, they live in different area codes. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he's only like, there's so many numbers, you know, there's only so many numbers you could have and not everyone could start with 555. Right. <laughs> Um, but it's like, oh, this ridiculous stuff that's going to come into play later on, too, um, that Danny's trying to, you know, he's trying to start small, that, like, the world is not as it seems. And I, I kind of like, you know, these these type of movies as I was watching it. You know, you you brought up The Matrix. That's one. Um, I would say, like, The Truman Show. Uh, Free Guy is another, like, a more recent one. But just, like, people that are in this fake world and then like the the wall gets broken and they start to realize that they're in a constructed fictional whatever you want to call it world i just i think that's a great setup for a movie so i think so too and plays off the meta really well 
Yeah. And I like how they try to convince a character or something that they're in a movie when they're not really in a movie. So it's kind of like a disbelief kind of feel to it. Yeah, because if someone said that to you or me, you know, I wouldn't I would react the same way. Like, you're crazy. You know, right. like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. <laughs> I find it funny, though, too, that it's actually Stallone that's in Terminator 2 because they had that little before in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. So they it was, it was like it was, it was a little jab, but you know I also like that you know uh, Schwarzenegger says that was one of his best roles. So it's like he was given he's given himself a compliment, but also being like you know in this fake world, uh, Stallone also did really well as as uh, you know t- as the, the robot he's in T two. But yeah, Danny, uh, and then also too at the police station. Remember the pe- the uh, the wife and everything is calling Arnold. He puts her on uh, on the speaker and he has her on the recording thing too. I'm jumping back just a little bit, but I just like those little small things and, and stuff then like you that. Find out it's later like, that that's fake, <laughs> right? And that he has he pays someone to call, um, so he because you never hear the wife on the over the phone. I don't no. think. Um, so yeah. Also, just another a lot of stuff again, like that comes back around. Even like we we didn't mention the uh, the handcuff key that Danny gets from the toilet. We'll come oh, yeah. back later on. Um, so uh, Shane Black worked on the script, so he's also like one of the premier action guys. You know, uh, did Predator, Lethal Weapon. Uh, so I thought um, you know that was a nice touch. You know, all these little things. He's he's really good at that. Most definitely. And this is also Stanley Kubrick's uh, favorite movie, though, too. Favorite movie ever? Yeah, of all time. Oh, shit. That's <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I know. I know he did have some, uh, you know, weird taste. But yeah, that's wow. Right. Best movie. Favorite movie ever. That's that's a big one. Right. Especially for this movie. Mm-hmm. But we love it. But still. Um, but yeah, like we said, Danny tries to explain how this is all a film and explaining who the bad guys are, but Slater does not accept this. Despite Slater's uh, supervisor, Lieutenant uh, Decker assigns Danny to work with Slater, given his uh, apparent knowledge of the villain. Danny leads Slater to the home of the mob boss, Tony uh, Lady Laddie. I think that's how you say I'm sorry about butchering it, (laughs) which he saw in the opening of the film. The daddy denies any wrongdoing and Slayer is unable to arrest him despite Danny's assurance of the crime. And I like how they pull over to the house mm-hmm. and Danny just points his finger at the house. He goes, the bad guys are in there. He goes, all this years of police work at the academy. Yeah. <laughs> and you did it. You finally did it. All I had to do was park my car right here. Point my finger and say the bad guys are right here. And then also like how uh, Benedict answers the door mm-hmm. and he goes, um, yeah, I'm here to talk to the drug dealer of the house. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the, it's the guy that right. looks like, um, it's like the, the Butler first. Yeah. He looks like the, the, what's his odd job from James. Odd job, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I like that. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm looking for the drug dealer of the house. Then he goes, gets Benedict. Um, and he mentions his glass eye, uh, you know, and then he asks to see his eye and he kind of fights back. But then at the end, he gives him the have a nice day and his eye is a smiley face, <laughs> which is just so <laughs> ridiculous. But again, at that moment, you know, he's kind of being like, how say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Already know that this kid knew about the glass eye. And then when they're walking away, Danny is talking more about the villain's plans and he Benedict hears overhears them. And that's kind of what gets his journey in the movie started of being like, okay, how does this kid know all this? Um, you know, Sherlock Holmes said that if you've, you've gone through all the possibilities and, you know, some, maybe the most illogical answer is the, is the right one, you know, something I'm, I know I'm paraphrasing that, but right. uh, yeah. But uh, also like how um, he calls uh, Danny Toto as well. Yeah, he's 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 referencing like Wizard of Oz, which I feel like is another you can't talk about movies that take place in fictional worlds without, you know, Wizard of Oz started it all pretty much. Right. Um, That's like the the original. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, then after that winds up happening, uh, as they depart, he's assassin Mr. Benedict overhears Danny talking about the ticket stuff and strictly follows the two that that night benedict orders an attack on slater's home a while uh while he's introducing danny to his daughter whitney while slater and whitney fend off the attackers benedict is able to steal the ticket from stuff from danny but i like how they go into his apartment and then like you mentioned before though uh where basically he has all the same clothes and and everything too the yeah. red shirt he has like jeans. 50 pairs of the red shirt 50 <laughs> pairs of the same jeans yeah <laughs> and then there's also some guy hiding it that like a tackle force oh, yeah. team in the closet he goes wait did you know there's a dead body in there he goes yeah he's there all the time like there's always a guy in there yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he breaks it down to him like you said though cisco where he's like look i all this is fake we're I have to get someone to call in to make it look like that I'm actually in a um in a good relationship with my wife and work things out. And you know, she's actually happily married now when there's something that I can do about it. Mm-hmm. And so I like how they give that little bit of a nod to the other Jack Slater film that Danny watched before and now in- introduced us into this one. So like I said, it gives them more layers and we actually care about Slater even more. Just as we would actually care about Slater even more if we were watching this Jack Slater movie as well. Yeah, I, I do like that that scene. I would say one part that I feel like could have been improved is like you mentioned that they um, meet the daughter for the first time, Whitney, and she has like yeah. a scene where she, you know, is kicking the guy's ass and like doing all these kind of screams, like um, acting like she's the one getting beaten up. Um, but then it kind of, after that, she kind of disappears from the movie and I, you know, that she's, she was a really good actress in the nineties, um, you know, and from Billy Madison, right. uh, mortal Kombat, you know, I just, I, uh, and so I thought, um, that she would at least come back later on in the film. And she, the only time she does is to give him an extra pair of clothes. Right. I, I thought they could have fit her in maybe just one more scene or something, you know, to help them out or, 
you know, but that was, yeah, that was like one thing that um, thought could have been improved, but the, 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 the main relationship is him trying to get over his son that got killed um, on the rooftop. And I think they, they do resolve that at the end, at least. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And then, you know, Slater's daughter has that huge truck and things like that too. Yeah. And <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that part is funny. Yeah. Danny goes, whose truck is that? Oh, that's my daughter's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the driving here. I, I really like too. And that, and that mm -hmm. was kind of, I thought like a nod to just any driving video game that you can play. I just love that you can run over anything without consequences. Um, even in like Grand Theft Auto and stuff, like police can come after you. But um, I, I feel like, you know, I don't know if you've seen those memes of like people that play GTA and stop at the red lights. It's like, you're just missing the whole point of the game. I feel like those people are psychotic. <laughs> like there's something wrong. <laughs> I, I follow the law, like the driving laws in real life. So when I mm -hmm. play a video game, I am not doing that. <laughs> no, I'm doing the exact opposite of that. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to, that would be a boring video game. And I'm sure if they did something like that in the movie and everything, it'd be just as boring. And they, just, the and they they keep that joke up the whole movie. I love mm -hmm. it. Like even Me like too. later on, you see when they're driving, there's like cars behind them that are like crashing, and like <laughs> you know, like he's just he's ru ruining all the shit from his driving. Um, and they never really comment on it. You just just like this. No, is, this is the it's world. Just driving. This, this is it's... the world. He can drive where however he wants. <laughs> he can play chicken, and he's always gonna survive because he's the star. Exactly. And yeah. I, like you said, though, I definitely like how it makes it look like a non-playable character, mm -hmm. basically in the background. And he gets to, like you said, he gets to drive anywhere he, he wants to. It doesn't matter. He gets to make up his own rules on how things go. And I, I, I definitely like it about that. And he knows this world inside and out, you know, because this is actually the world he knows. But to Danny, it's new. And it's something totally uh, geeked out. But he about. knows the rules, at least. He's like, Danny's the right. smart one. And it is like Terminator 2 a lot in that way where um, is a T-800? Is that the in Terminator 2, the T-800? That's Arnold? Yeah, that's Arnold. Yeah, like the he has to teach him how to act in society. You know, you can't kill people. People don't talk like that. Like he's teaching him to act like a human. And I think there's some of that going on here where Danny's like, you're in an action movie. This is what happens and teaching. And then when they get to the real world, you know, he has teach to teach them how to be in the real world too. Yeah, so I, I like right. that. But yeah, from the attack, Slayer uh, learns that Benny's plot to kill uh, naval mob boss family on a, at a rooftop funeral service <laughs> using nerve gas, and he and Danny are able to foil the attack. Whitney helps to drive them to Vendelli's uh, home, but they arrive just after Benedict has killed Vendelli and used the ticket stub to create a portal to the real world. But I like the whole entire thing where you have the guy who killed Mozart as the, the actor, as, yeah, F. F. Yeah. Marie Abraham, mm -hmm. right? And yeah, I from, like uh, from Amadeus, like, which is uh, yeah. is that's not a Stanley Kubrick movie, is it? I'm, I don't remember. That. I'll look that up. But uh, yeah, I just like that. And when uh, they get when he captures them. And he's like, that's the guy that killed uh, Mozart. And he's like, I've killed a lot of people, kid. Like, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember uh, if I've killed a guy named Mozart. Uh, I don't think it is. I don't think it is Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, it's no. not. Milos Foreman. Uh, okay. But uh, I also like how Arnold's like, um, 
what are we doing back here? There's nothing. There's no uh, side porch or anything at this hotel or anything. And he goes, Danny told me not to get involved with you. Told me not to trust you. And then, yeah, Danny. Uh, Danny warned him. This guy's right. he's gonna he's gonna turn on you, and that's always the thing. And there's always one guy in the force that's evil. That's working for the bad guys. So right. But what did you think of the fact that this guy was named after a fart? Oh, <laughs> it's so like, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the humor in this, honestly, like, uh, I can see that, you know, some people might, this might lose them like this, this part with the whole fart and then, you know, the gas, you know, being actual deadly gas <laughs> coming from this guy. Um, I like it. I like spoof movies like Scary Movie and Airplane and all those dumb, you know, Hot Shots 1 and 2. Um, so I kind of was just thinking of those movies. Um, and so even though the plot is ridiculous, isn't any more ridiculous than some of these action movies like Fast and Furious? Like, right. the plots are really stupid sometimes in these action movies. So I went with it. I thought it was cool. Um the fact that it's like on a rooftop and there's a lot of actually like cool stunt work going on, like with the crane, you know, having to escape on the crane and get this guy off by using the crane and all that stuff. Um, I just think it's a good action scene, um, even without the the comedy and the fart gas or whatever. Uh, so it worked for me. I don't know. What about you? Me too, because it's a typical Italian thing. But when the Italian guy goes over to the mobster that they killed. And to basically just, uh, you know, pay their respects. And then you see this scene being played out where Arnold is trying to cause a diversion to where he can get them, get the get everybody away from the bomb. Mm -hmm. So he goes, so Arnold winds up going over to the casket and he goes, this guy's not dead. (laughs) And throws him on the crane. And he's, Arnold is actually holding on to this dead guy, this corpse. On a crane because of the fact that whenever he was on the elevator and everything, too, uh, there was a helicopter circling the whole entire premise yeah. and also a hel- helicopter shooting him, mm-hmm. shooting at him and everything, too. And you, next thing you know, he winds up hopping off the elevator and grabbing onto where the crane is because of the fact that the dead body is attached to the crane. Did he actually accidentally yeah. pick, the crane actually? picked up the dead body i just thought it was hilarious and it it's worked. ridiculous it's ridiculous but like yeah it, it works like um you know another like funny gun reveals like every person at the funeral is like packing i <laughs> thought that was really funny like they and then arnold is like you know calling for a doctor and then the doctor is there and he ends up knocking the doctor out with the the corpse <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, so it's just a lot of a lot of funny beats in it, um, but yeah, it culminates with the with the crane, and then they land in this like tar pit, and that's the when dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, that's when we get the scene where the daughter comes in uh, with the monster truck, basically, and gives him his extra pair of clothes, you know. And then the, I like Danny's line where he's like, "Usually tar sticks to people, you know." Right. Like again, it looks like mud. It looks like oil or something. It looks like something that is not even mud at all. Like you, like again, you wouldn't survive. A no. regular person probably wouldn't survive um, being in that situation. But this is an action movie, so of course he gets a clean pair of clothes. Why? How did she know that he would need it? You know, it's just a lot of stuff in action movies. You just kind of ignore like the logic sometimes. 
Right. Uh, because so even then he goes, don't you find this a little convenient? He goes, hey, kid, didn't you just say that we're in an action movie? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is basically like us in a movie theater and we're questioning things in our head. But like, wait, he would not have survived that, like you said, Cisco. Mm-hmm. And then somebody has to say, look, and you just aren't we watching an action movie? Yeah. OK, well, OK. It's then. one of the things I liked about the la- not Fast X, uh, which I haven't seen, but Fast and, Furi- Fast and Furious 9, yeah. where Tyrese and Ludacris start questioning how they survive everything and it's like anyone any like regular person would would ask those type of questions you know why do we keep surviving this crazy stuff and same thing with like the diehard sequels well i don't think they're as good as the first one it's like he's just a regular guy he's not a superhero um so you you're in these ridiculous over-the-top situations At, at some point um you know, you would ask yourself, why do I keep surviving? And then, you know, us as an audience have to keep, have to wonder, like, is this really, you know, possible that someone could survive this? Um, I will say John Wick, the John Wick franchise does an amazing job of keeping yes. it up. <laughs> I, love the, I love the John Wick franchise. Uh, Hands down one but, of my favorite franchise. But when it's a regular guy like John McClane and Die Hard, I have a little harder time um, buying that. So, right. Yeah. And Fast but, and Furious. <laughs> but also, too, like we were talking about the whole entire scene where um, the daughter and all they go into his their house and they steal Danny's ticket and stuff like that. Mm. But we forgot to mention the fact that the house winds up exploding because of Benedict's uh, eye. Mm-hmm. Because the cop decided to go on ahead and take the eye and then and, and winds up saying vengeance is mine. And yeah. Then next thing you know, the police captain is just over there yelling at them again. It's the same bit again. Yeah. And then and you see like all the windows like progressively keep like his office it just gets worse and worse every time they they come back to it. It's really funny. But uh, I definitely like how Benedict is over there looking at the ticket, seeing what he collected from Danny, and he's over there and he winds up uh, going to the wall and he just over there just for leverage. And next thing you know, he realizes he's not even holding on to anything. Well, and then, uh, yeah, I like that, you know, they play the Twilight Zone theme and, you know, with, you know, Rod Serling saying like, uh, you know, going into another dimension, you know, on the TV. And so it kind of like puts it in his mind, too, that like, oh, this is what's going on here. And he starts putting the pieces together Um, again. The third wall break, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot that that scene is really great. Yeah, it's like he's starting to figure out that he's also in an action movie. Um, But yeah, like that fourth wall break. Yeah, I think that I think that scene is awesome. And you need someone like Charles Dance to to really deliver something like that without it feeling corny or, you know, cheesy. And I like Alan Rickman, but I think Alan would have actually done it a little more seriously to the point where it's like Mm -hmm. you're not it's not believable enough to for it to be an action movie he would actually really think that this is the, the way he would talk to an audience i don't think it would actually play off the same way i just think honest. i think too that he's just hans gruber is just too iconic like right. i like that the only iconic action person in this movie is arnold me too and, and everyone else is kind of like secondary in a sense yeah p- people you've seen in other things before maybe but like not really um, you know, taking away your attention 
it's it's all Arnold and this kid. Uh, I think that was smart, even though like they tried to get Rickman. I, I think it worked out. But yeah, they lose track of Benedict quickly, and Slater becomes disheartened in by the reality of this New York City. Danny introduces Slater to his mother, and from her, Slater comes to appreciate the harsh reality instead of the glamorized world that he lives in. Bowing to take a softer stance, they learn that Benedict believes he can kill Slater in this world by killing Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. So... I like how, like you said, we were playing off with the rules and stuff like that. And I like how Arnold winds up bringing a window to a car. Mm-hmm. And he winds <laughs> up going, that really hurt. He goes, yeah. look, look, Jack, the rules are different here. Mm-hmm. Okay? You can get killed here. This is not the movies anymore. This is reality. Yep. And I like how we go from a bright and shiny background in Los Angeles in the movie world and then we go to this dark and grim place of New York City, and it's raining and has a very apocalyptic kind of feel to it that mm-hmm. Arnold's not even used to it either. And it also makes us feel like as audience goers, too, when we're exiting a theater, when we're on this bright and shiny thing that we just got done seeing, and all of a sudden now it's raining outside. Yeah. And our eyes are actually being readjusted, just how his eyes are being readjusted with the blinders taking off, in a sense. Yeah, we we forgot to mention, but again, just another thing that keeps recurring throughout the movie is like chicken, like the cars mm-hmm. running into each other and playing chicken. And like, um, that's one of Slater's moves. And so Danny tries it when they're in the action movie world. And he's, you know, saying like, it's an action movie. I can't die. And then like at the last second, he's like, oh, wait, I'm the comic relief. No, <laughs> I'm just then, a sidekick. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a sidekick. And like he quickly gets out of the way um, and he, he does it on a bicycle. And then Slater does it when they get to New York in the real world. And he just straight up full on crashes that on collision. <laughs> um, and I like that they never show it. But every time that they're getting close to Benedict. He's using the ticket to escape, you know, so like that, in that head on collision, you would think like, Oh, they're, you know, he's dead or whatever, but Nope. Last second he escaped. They have to find another way to get him. Um, yeah. I just, I think, you know, again, it's another, it's a small thing. They don't show it, but it's, it's uh, it shows just how difficult it's going to be for Slater to beat this guy because this isn't how he's used to fighting. Right. Because like you said, killers and murderers get away with murder all the time. You're not going to get your killer within an hour of a movie of, of a movie or anything. This is real life. You actually have to sit down and do police work. And I love, uh, yeah, I love like how uh, Benedict finds that out. You know, he just shoots somebody and he's, Hey, I shot somebody, anybody. And, you know, you hear the guy in the apartment, keep it down down there. Yeah, I just shot a man yeah. in the head. And it's realistic. I mean, that's, that's uh, depending on where you are, that's not, you're not always going to get a good response, a quick exactly. response from the police or anybody. And um, I also like the flip side of that, where Arnold and the mom are kind of hitting it off, Danny's mom, and she's playing Mozart. And, uh, you know, he's like, loves it. He's like, oh, man, I've never heard this before. And, you know, Mozart, isn't that the guy that you said he killed? Like, again, everything <laughs> in the script, even the jokes have like callbacks. Like, I think it's so uh, 
such a good script, such a tight script that they have all these jokes that if you're paying attention, um, most of them worked for me. Uh, me too. So. And then like you, like we were talking about with the Mozart with the classical music and everything too, it's something new to him because he's always listening to heavy metal rock music and things like that too. So now he's into classical music because of his mom, because of Danny's mom. Mm-hmm. And I like how they wake, he wakes up the next day and it's like completely opposite of who Jack is. Because mm-hmm. Danny, Danny's mom. Yeah, Danny's like, you've gone soft. <laughs> oh. Like, you've got. What's your dude to a mom? You yeah. broke him. And then, uh, how much do you want to bet that she probably got some of Slater that night, though, too? Like, the way. That- uh, they were they were getting a little close, you know. Uh, I like too that he try they try to say like this is Arnold, you know, at first, and then he just tells the truth like, no, I'm Slater. I'm, you know, I just look like Arnold, and she's like, yeah, you do kind of look like him. Like they just uh, kind of play it off in that way, um, you know, the exact perfect replica of Arnold. But um, I think that happens a lot more than you think where uh celebrities get mistaken for other celebrities all the time you know so i think i think that could i think that's possible i see that though too because there are celebrity lookalikes and stuff like that and you know someone's like are you are you who you say you are and and i just saw um, there was a celebrity roundtable actors roundtable and paul giamatti well the guy asked who do you get mistaken for and paul giamatti said that he gets mistaken for larry the cable guy all the time which I don't see at all. Me either. <laughs> like, That's like the exact but, opposite. But he said he's gotten that like five times. So it's like, yeah, it's you know that could be another uh, nitpick you could say in this movie. But I think I think I buy that. You know, you you wouldn't necessarily believe that it's Arnold right away, right? Um, if, if you saw him in real life, probably. Exactly, and then. You know, and then, of course, you have this whole entire idea of Benedict going, well, if I kill Arnold, there's no more Jack Slater. And I thought to myself, well, technically, you could still have a Jack Slater. It just wouldn't be played by Arnold. By Arnold. Yeah, true. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of the action franchises, that's what happens in the sequels, too. Right. They just recast the main actor again. Could be reading but into like, it, but uh, you know what though? I love how Benedict just breaks it down and thinks, okay, if I kill him, no more Slater, I win. I can take over New York and live mm-hmm. my life happy. And all this fictional world that I once was part of is gone. Mm-hmm. And everything I get to live my life. I guess this was we have to put this in context with the time too, that like a lot of the franchises like would not at the time wouldn't really get made at least like ones that would go in the theater, like diehard movies had to have Bruce Willis in it. Terminator movies had to have Arnold in it, you know? So like, maybe that's kind of what the logic was at the time that like, if he thought that he killed Arnold, there would be no more Jack Slater movies. Cause it would kill right. the, fran- it would kill the franchise. Nowadays it's kind of harder. Like uh, there've been Terminator movies since then without Arnold and stuff like that. Um, but most most movies back then, I feel like they they really depended on having the star in it. Yeah, right. Because basically, that would be the face of the franchise, and if you got rid of them, that would be yep, it. exactly. So I know that we talked about celebrity lookalikes and stuff like that. Now at this red carpet premiere, you got to see the fact that ben- Benedict actually brought back the Ripper. Mm-hmm. You see the original From, uh, actor, the Seven Seal. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
And then you actually see the actor who played the Ripper come in as well. And then you also see... Um, Ian McKellen. It's Ian right. McKellen. Yeah, playing. Yeah, you get to see playing. Ian McKellen. And everyone's like looking at him like, didn't I just see you walk in? Mm-hmm. So it was, and this could easily be a cosplay because there was really hardly any cosplaying going on in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Had... Never mind. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting confused. I, you're talking about Tom Noonan uh, playing. I was thinking of uh, yeah. the Grim Reaper or whatever. No, 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 not the Grim Reaper. Yeah. My bad, man. Yeah, but yeah. The Ripper. Tom, Tom Noonan, um, who is the, he's the villain in um, Manhunter. Yeah, the, the original Manhunter, and yeah, he's so you see the actor playing the rip the ripper guy and then you also get the ripper that's come from the slater movie yeah i thought that was really really well done and clever and then you got like the asian guy freaking out like why are you dressed in makeup you know like jack nicholson doesn't dress like the joker at the batman premiere (laughs) right yeah that's actually the dude from uh blank check the limo driver because why the hell yeah yeah, he's like why the hell are you dressed like 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 the ripper Look, nobody does this, okay? Look, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get you a tux. You're gonna be fine, and everything. This is supposed to be supposed to be maybe a publicist or something. This is gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. I'm gonna take care of you. <laughs> Next thing you know, Ripper winds up killing him. I and love the have, uh, the Ripper's yeah. axe too. Like, oh. I think it's a really cool. Like he puts it together. You see him putting it together it's like and assembling such it. Such heavy metal. To yeah. Be with you. It, it, at least in the Blu-ray, it did look kind of like foam posit, you know, like it, it didn't look metal, but they have the sound effects that kind of sell it, that it's like this heavy, right. like, shing, shing. I don't know. Like, I'll be honest with you, with the 4K, it actually looked like it was shined and polished to the point okay. where I, it was believable. But it just goes to show you the difference between 4K and Blu-ray, though, sure. too, yeah. with it the be, lighting and stuff be. like that. Yeah. Right. But I, then you have Arnold talking about Planet Hollywood you oh, have yeah. him talking his about his wife, his real his wife at the time. Yeah, Maria Shriver's in the background, yeah. and she's just basically just like, "Okay, Arnold, give it a rest." That's and I think that's fun. You know, like right. I think that's the difference between Arnold and a lot of other guys is they wouldn't have the skin to make fun of themselves. I mean, they, they even he even jokes about like Congress and like right. government a couple times. Um, you know, knowing that. I, don't, I think this was before he was governor of California, yeah. but like he was getting, you know, hit, Maria Shriver was involved in politics. And so he was kind of getting in that circle at the time. So I think that's aged really well, too, because, again, and he too. became governor and he's poking fun at, uh, you know, that that's those kind of circles and then poking fun of Planet Hollywood. You know, she's like, don't mention the restaurant. And then like <laughs> as, as soon as he gets the opportunity, he's like, yeah, we got really good stuff in Planet Hollywood. You should check it out. <laughs> And then he's like, look, I'm going to start in this new movie. It's going to start me. I'm going to produce it. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> really funny. And uh, then you have Jack Slater coming in right behind him as well. And one of the reporters goes, how did you change your clothes so fast? Where mm-hmm. do I sit? Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> got Danny me. Danny getting involved. I like every time that he tells Danny, don't do anything. Just stay right there. Danny, of course, mm-hmm. has to has to help. And if Danny didn't help, you know, honestly, he probably wouldn't have made it out because he's the one that uh, points out that the Ripper's on the top balcony about to kill Arnold. So, Right. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Arnold winds up whipping out the gun. And then I love this stunt scene. The stunt scene of Ripper hurrying up off the balcony, jumping off the balcony, and then taking the axe yeah. and just gliding down the uh, 
down the curtain mm-hmm. was just awesome. I love that yeah. scene so much. And then you see Arnold go, wow, you look like you're the best celebrity lookalike I ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was, that was pretty well done too. The two Arnolds together. Um, right. I thought that was pr- pretty impressive. Um, Who's your agent? Yeah. For, for, for 90s, for 93. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, then um, after that, you have, of course, finally, we actually have the confrontation uh, on the rooftop where, once again, Jack is face-to-face with the Ripper. Ripper winds up trying to, uh, holding Danny hostage. Mm-hmm. And, th- and, of course, he's unloading the gun, un- unloading everything again. And then Ripper winds up um, saying, we did this before. We did this cat and mouse game before. Yeah. And Big so, mistake. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love his catchphrase. We didn't mention too the "I'll be back" yeah. one, where he's like, you know, and he's like, "Do, do I say that?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's kind of your thing. You say that all the time." Movies actually like try and work it in, <laughs> right? <laughs> Again, Arnold making fun of himself and his, his and catchphrases. He says something else like uh, "baby Bobby uh, slippers" or something like that too. Yeah, and then. Yeah. He tries to get Arnold to cuss. He goes, I cannot say that. He goes, that's because it's a PG-13 movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely love the little nods to the to that. And then, of course, you know, Ripper winds up getting electrocuted by um, Slater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that scene, too. I think it's well shot. Um, Danny is hanging on to, like, the gargoyle on the side of the building. And Jack right. has to has to save him from there. A lot of like high wire, um, you know, stunt work in this movie. Uh, and him with the cowboy boots on on that gorgile while he's yeah. trying to save Danny. He said, "Please God, don't let me uh, let him fall." But I like this redemption story for Jack though, because now it's like him trying to save his own son, which now Jack sees him sees him as his son. And this whole entire PTSD moment of the flashback of the Ripper taking his son's life and everything, I thought they did a really good job with that. Um, then, of course, then after that happens, we see Benedict now, and he goes, well, do you want to date with uh, Dracula? Well, I can get him. What about mm-hmm. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street with Freddy Cougar? I can get him, yeah. too. And the, the, he's just naming off all these movies Mm-hmm. And I was, you know what? Part of me as a kid, I wanted to see him bring in Dracula just to see what would happen with that. I think but, part of it probably is like the rights, you know, you need right, the rights, rights to show um, certain monsters. So I think this is a Sony movie. So I'm not sure, yeah. um, like what they had the rights to. I mean, but we said they show uh, the Grim Reaper from the Seventh Seal, the old like. Uh, Bergman movie played by Ian McKellen, um, which I think was a nice touch too, because, you know, you, you, you think, oh man, this is it. You know, Slater gets shot in the chest. No, no uh, bulletproof vest this time. It's going to be over for him. Um, and then Danny has to like get over his fears and become the hero. Basically he has to save the day, get him to the movie theater um, and try and figure something out. So. Right. Because yeah. remember also too, uh, Arnold winds up shooting Benedict in the eye. He That's explodes. Right. Yeah. The ticket goes falling down on the ground. Then Ian McCann uh, comes and out. They both and survive that, you know, which is right. kind of like they're in the real world now, so they probably wouldn't, but this is still an action movie for us, you know, so whatever. Exactly. 
And then um, the ticket falls down, and then, of course, Ian McCain comes out of, as the Grim Reaper. People are screaming, of course. And then I like how he touches one of the cops that's eating a hot dog. And he just and dies he immediately. Ch- yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> then he sees the ambulance drive by him, because remember, Danny winds up holding the uh, ambulance hostage. Oh, yeah. And Again, like, a lot of gun work for, with a kid, which you don't normally don't see. see yeah and he's like look take him to the movies now <laughs> <laughs> and they all just leave like they don't the drive even the driver he has to drive himself it's like you know how right. to drive he's like yeah from watching you <laughs> right <laughs> he takes him over he, he doesn't even pull over he just bangs into the movie theater tells nick to roll the uh film of course, it's not digitalized. It's on the uh, on the regular seven Real. millimeter film, right? Yeah. And so he starts it up, and it has that Terminator moment, like you mentioned before, within this movie itself, where he's like, "Look, Danny, I got to go back. I got to go to my world, real world, yeah. because but I, I, I don't, but I need you. Just, mm. just still see me. I'll just be in the movies." Yeah, and that just was a heartfelt moment for me. You know, because it would be like, I don't want to see my hero go away, but I know he has to go because that's the only way for him to survive. But then also, you know, if you want, uh, like, Arnold is older now and he's not like this, you know, Terminator shape, but we can always go back and watch Last Action Hero or Terminator and Terminator 2 and just have him in this moment of time. Like, I think, like you said, I think it's a beautiful moment and why kind of an argument for why movies are um so important to us even like when we're kids and just throughout our lives like when times get hard or you know stuff like that you can always just fall back on um the movies that make you feel good exactly and then i like also too when he he goes look i wouldn't even call this a flesh wound talking about the the real world and the the back in the movie world because come on get him to the hospital next thing you know when he comes in the next scene and he winds up punching the glass um, to his to the captain's um, the lieutenant's office. He goes, "It's working again." Yeah. So, and then next thing you know, it the both of them are screaming. The captain's over there screaming at each other. He goes, "Why are you screaming?" He goes, "Did you know that this is written written down? This, this is, is all an action Hollywood. movie." Yeah. This is... <laughs> <laughs> um, so I honestly, I think, you know, they did. Uh, I know we're wrapping up here. They they did a lot of Terminator sequels with Arnold coming back. Um, some more successful than others, I would say. Um, I would love to see a sequel to this. Me too. I, I think that I think this is like so ripe for a sequel. Like Jack Slater being an older Jack Slater, and you could bring in like you know another another kid or something like that. And they could, you could, you could talk about like, you know, aging action stars and have uh, Danny older Danny back inside the movie right? again. Yeah. But this time it's basically, uh, Arnold not remembering who Danny is, but Danny remembering who he is. And... I, know it's, I know it's probably too late now, you know, just, he doesn't really, he doesn't really act that much anymore, but, no. um, yeah, I, w- I was just thinking about that. Like, um, cool. I-, I don't know why they they never made a sequel to this, but I, I think um, because I think it's because of the fact that they didn't do well financially to the that's point what where I th- it didn't. That's what I think too. Um, but yeah, I just think 
where Terminator gets messed up is the timeline stuff because like every movie they wrap it up and it's like the timeline is reset and then the next movie they're like we're gonna go back and mess up the timeline again and it's like it just doesn't make any sense so but in this it's it's there is no timeline it's just a movie exactly you're just just taking someone from a movie and putting it out in the real world so you don't have to worry about uh any of that garbage (laughs) right and you know what though if this was a sequel i would love to see arnold going i'm too old for this shit yeah, you can like have all Glover. you can have all that stuff. I mean, uh, right. oh man, that was one of the lines that cracked me up. We didn't mention too was um, Danny calls when um, when the, I think the explosion at the house, uh, but when Benedict explodes the house and the two cops yeah. die, and then Danny's like, both cops dead, you know, but Slater survives, I and just, then and then the cop a cigar, and the cop in the tree is like. I only had two days left until my retirement. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that is, oh man, like you could have a lot of those. It's so perfect. That that would be, I think that would be the sequel. I think that would be the sequel is uh, Slater's about to retire. I think that would be an awesome sequel. Tony Pitchers, you know what? Uh, you know where to find yeah, us. Be emailing exactly. at movieloversunite at gmail.com. Um, 50 just 50 give, for Cisco and I. <laughs> just give me some residuals. That's all I care about if, 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 if you do move on with it. Right. But dude, this has been a pleasure to be able to do this review with you. Uh, yeah. I want to have you back on here again. I promise you it's not going to be as um, long as before <laughs> because I know it's been a couple of years. Right. But I've been just busy with, with life and everything now too. So I just want to say it's a, always a pleasure to have you on here. Same. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm glad we could do it now. It's. Uh, I'm going back to work too next week. So it's. it's I'm going to be busy too coming up but um yeah i'm so glad we got to talk about um arnold and you know this movie turned 30 30 last year right Um, so i think it's a perfect time to kind of reevaluate it and um, more people need to see it so i think think so yeah and also too i had the action figures of last action hero oh wow really yeah they actually had now the car itself i actually had jack slater's car and there's actually a button to where you can actually eject the ca- uh, characters <laughs> out of the car. So that's so awesome. Yeah, it, it really was. I, and the only thing I didn't have was the Benedict action figure, which was like the hardest action figure you can get. And I could not oh, find wow. that thing anywhere. But yeah, yeah his gun the- was pretty sweet too. Like I liked. Uh, we didn't talk about that, but just the size of the guns were just massive. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the Joker gun from the night eighty nine Batman. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty long, pretty long too. But yeah, um, but yeah, great. All movie. right, definitely. So, guys, that's gonna be it as far as the show goes. Always until next time, guys. Have a great and safe night, and we'll catch you guys on the next one.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.